Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Hey, can you help me by putting your hands together? Welcome everybody watching online, listening by podcast. We're so proud you tuned in today. Listen, I'm so excited about today's message. We're concluding our four-week series that we've called RE. And uh, while we get that together, I want you to grab your outline out of your worship guide for today's message. And then I want to tell you and invite you to be a part of our uh, celebration tonight. We're going to throw a party tonight. We're ending 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some of you are up at midnight raiding the refrigerator. Uh, Some of you have already had more cups of coffee than you should have. I mean, you're doing a lot of different things. You're excited about it. But let me tell you, I want to challenge you in this. Don't let 21 days of prayer and fasting. Many of us can go, I can do anything for 21 days. I've got a finish line ahead of me. And then we hit 21 days and then we just go all in as quick as we can back to normal. One year, uh, Jen and I, after being on a strict uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, meal plan, we busted it at a CC's Pizza. After the, that was a wrong mistake. That was a bad mistake. That's like going to Chinese. Okay, you don't you don't break a fast at Chinese like that. And uh, so it's, so let me just tell you. I want to challenge you. This is not the end. This really is the beginning. Twenty one days was was a was a season of preparation. Now it's time to really run the course. Now it's time to really continue and what the the disciplines and the attitudes that we've set ourselves in. So don't lose it. Let this be a new path, a new direction. Come on for this brand new year. And so tonight at Alabaster, six o'clock, we're just throwing a party. We're going to have a night of prayer and worship together. We're going to come in. The band has been working real hard on being prepared for this night to lead us in worship. Uh, there's going to be a moment for communion. Our prayer team will be there. You can uh, stand and worship. You can sit and worship. You can bring your Bible and, 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 and read. You can walk around and pray. I mean, it's just a night to just to disconnect from everything, and we're going to celebrate God's goodness. So it's going to be a really awesome time together tonight at 6 o'clock. And then I want to tell you, too, in your worship guide, there's a, a listing for all the small groups that begin next week. Best time of the year is small group season, and there are so many cool small groups to be a part of, and I want to challenge you as you start this year, start it right. Bad company corrupts good character, and so you need to jump in, find a small group to connect with, because it's going to be life-changing, I promise you, if you'll dive in this year, okay? And then today, we are concluding our series uh, called RE. Next week, we begin a series called Insta, and we're going to be talking about everything relationships. So we're going to talk about being single and ready to mingle. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about raising monsters or kids, whichever way you want to put it. We're going to talk about everything from point A to point B. And in every one of these areas, no matter where you identify in that, there are principles that are going to help us through every season of life in relationships. So we're going to kick that off next week. And I challenge you to be here, bring somebody because you're not going to want to miss that as well. Okay. And then today uh, we're in this series called RE. We're concluding today. And really this whole series It's been foundation for our year. It's been setting the course of what 2020 is to be. And uh, week week one, we talked about being refreshed. We talked about how we walk into this year, ready to refresh ourselves and take a deep breath so we can tackle this year. Some of us enter 2020 like we've been hit by a truck. I mean, we went through the holidays. It was busy. There was a lot of stuff, family, foods, all the different things. And then we have to begin and start again in 2020. And we want to do it in a refreshing way. And then we talked about uh, just ways that we could revive some things, a do-over, some things that maybe that we didn't get right last year. We can go back and we can get it right this year. And then last week we talked about refraining from some things, some things that are harmful, putting some stuff to the side. And then today we titled your message, Restart. And today's what I want us to think about, a launching pad. 
I want today in your brain and in this motive to be, hey, this is our start. This is our launch. We got some great foundational things to start this year, to start this month, and now today is the day to put all of this in place. And I've got three things I'm going to share with you today through the life of David. And uh, many of you have heard this story of David and Goliath. You've heard this maybe in kids' church before. Some of you maybe can quote this story like, you know, the back of your hand. Some of you may have never heard this story before. It's about a little man named David. He was a little shepherd boy who goes to battle against a big giant that everybody was scared of. It's an incredible story out of Scripture. And we're going to learn today how through the principles of what what he was doing, how we can launch ourselves into this new year. And so all of this, this whole thought is coming from Romans 12 and 2 at the top of your outline. And it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do it the way they do it. Don't do it the way the world does it. The world's got its system. And if it worked, the world wouldn't be so messed up. But the world is pretty messed up. So why do we continue in the patterns of the world doing it their way when it does not work? So the Bible says, don't do it their way but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do it a different way. Think about it. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we do it his way, it changes things. And so today, as we launch into this year, when we learn to do it his way, I know that it's going to change things. So I've got a lot of stuff I want to cover, a lot of things I want you to write down, so I want you to be prepared today. You non-note-takers, get some bonus points. Go ahead and write a few things today. I promise you it'll be good for you. But let's pray, ask God's blessing over the Word. Father, what a great day. We don't take your presence in this room lightly. Father, we celebrate it, we honor it, and we thank you for it. And I pray that today we don't just come in this room and we leave the way we came. We, we're ready. Father, we come expecting. We come to accept and to receive and to do. God, when we leave this place, we're going to leave it differently. We're going to leave it uh, settled in our mind and in our heart that we're going to live it for you. God, this is going to be a different year, and today is the launching pad. As we restart and launch into this year, God, you're going to do something so incredible in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So on your outline, let's go. Let's take a look at number one. The first thing that we have to do to launch into this new year is to be ready. Be ready. And there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk to you here. David was a shepherd boy. Shepherd is not a, a great, uh, prestigious position. He's out in the field by himself. He's doing menial work, menial labor. But there is this story happening around him that he is hearing that all the people who are at war and who are fighting for them are all scared. They're all running afraid. They're paralyzed in fear because of one man. His name is Goliath, nicknamed the champion. Because nobody has been able to put any offense against Goliath. He's so big. He's so strong. And everyone who has tried has failed. So now they have literally run out of people willing to go out and to face Goliath. Except for the little shepherd boy named David who has heard that Goliath is running rampant on everybody. And David says, I can do this. He says, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. I am ready to play. But why is it that David was so confident? Why did he think he was ready? Well, David has a conversation with the king as he's begging him for the opportunity to go fight. And this is David's case. This is what he says. David persisted. That's a short stop, but we're going to stop right there for a second. Everybody underline the word persisted. Because this year in 2020, you are going to be tempted to stop, to quit, and to give up. We are only three weeks in, and some of you have already quit every single week. You've already quit the routine. You've already quit the habit. You've already quit the diet. You thought you were going to lose 50. You found five. I mean, you've already been challenged to quit. 
The only difference between those who make it and those who don't are those who quit and those who won't. That's the difference that makes it. Those who will be persistent. David, as a little shepherd boy, as every odd is stacked against him, he was simply persistent. And so I'm telling you this year, you have to be persistent. Go ahead and make it up in your mind. This is my year. No matter what I walk through, no matter what I face, I just will not quit. We're going to be persistent. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Nobody signs up for military assignments that way. I've got these six chihuahuas that I've got at the house, and uh, I feed them every day. I bathe them sometimes. I mean, I get them treats, and, and they've got toys. I mean, I'm good with these chihuahuas. Put me in, coach. I can take out the giant. When all the trained men are running, but he's like, I got some sheep, and I got some goats. And then he says, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after him with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. I love that. I go and I take care of business. He says this, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Now, this is a big shift right here. It's like, whoa, David, okay, okay, you got it. There's little lambs and stuff, but now you get violent, okay? Maybe there's something here. He said, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he defied the armies of the living God. In other words, that guy's done ticked me off. He did it one too many times. I've done been hearing about this for far too long, and I let him talk about everybody else, but he's not going to talk about God that way. As soon as he started talking about God, I knew I had to lead those sheep and I had to do something about it. He said, we're not going to stand for this. I'm going to be persistent in the face of the enemy, and we're going to get something done. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I am ready. I am a shepherd. And I've been doing shepherd's business, and that has prepared me to go out to battle and fight the giant. How in the world did that happen? There's a few things here, principles, that I want to give you today. These are extras, but write them down. The first thing we need to do is to keep some sheep. David was keeping sheep. Now, there's nothing celebratory about a shepherd. You don't see anybody going, man, you are a phenomenal shepherd. No, they're just out there with sheep. Dirty, stinky, smelly, dumb sheep. And every day David had to get up and he literally did the work of a shepherd. You know what a shepherd does? Every day he has to gather all of these sheep together and literally bring them and guide them to new places of pasture so that they could eat. And not only does he take them to a place of pasture to receive, but he has to make sure that it is safe, that there are no plants, that there are no growth, there is nothing that is harmful that would be poisonous as they eat. Sheep are dirty and they get all mangy, so they would have to be cut. Hundreds or thousands of these, David would have to cut and shear these sheep. They would anoint the heads of these sheep with oil so that all the bugs and the gnats and stuff would not corrupt their face. He had to be the doctor to, uh, to help their wounds when they were broken or when they, they broke something or hurt something, they had to doctor them. He, when a sheep had another baby, bah, he had to go and deliver those sheep. David was doing something nonstop with these sheep. And then he had to do it in the face of everybody thinking it didn't matter. See, every one of us this year, tomorrow morning, you will wake up when your clock goes off, you will hit snooze a few times other than you weird morning people, and then you will think, I don't want to do this today. 
Do I have to do this? Is it Monday already again? And you'll do some menial things. You'll have to round up those little monsters in your house and you got to feed them and bathe them and clothe them and send them. You got to go to a job to listen to somebody that you'd rather not listen to, to do something that maybe you'd rather not do. It's the menial every day in the middle of the field that nobody sees that prepares you for what everybody does. See, everybody wants to be the sports star. Everybody wants to achieve and everybody wants to gain. But while the sports star is out on the court practicing while everybody else is at the party. They're the ones who achieve doing what you don't see them doing. And so I believe that some of us sitting in the field, we have to understand that it's the things that nobody sees this year that makes the difference and gets you ready to get to the battlefield. Because God at some point this year is going to remove you from the field and he's going to put you in the battlefield. There will be a Goliath in your life this year. And every day that I read my Bible and nobody celebrates it. Every day that I pray and I listen to worship music and I say no to that over there and yes to this over here that connects me spiritually, nobody's around me celebrating. There's nobody blowing the trumpet of celebration going, man, you read your devotion today. You're awesome. No, nobody is there celebrating those things. Nobody knows if I do it or if I don't do it. Nobody is standing on top of me. Nobody was in the field with David going, you got to cut those sheep. You got to lead them. You got to feed them. You got to take care of them. But David knew the importance of doing the things that mattered because when time came, he would be ready. Some of us this year, you've got to do a better job at keeping sheep. Those little things, the mundane, the day in, the day out, the disciplines that make the difference have to be done in 2020. Keep you some sheep. The next thing that I think David did is, is he fought the animals, the lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my, David was out there fighting those things. And I want you to notice something. I love that the Bible says that when the animals came, when danger was in front of him, the Bible does not say that David got around the sheep and stood in front of them and prayed, oh God. Please today, rescue us from the bear. Oh God, please let this bear be friendly and full so that we can snuggle and hug. He didn't say, God, will you take away the lion and the bear? Many of us find ourselves going, oh God, not a lion, not a bear, not again. Why me? I've been out here taking care of these sheep, God. I've done everything you've asked me to do. They're all full, fat, and happy, every one of them. So God, why? But the Bible says that David, he ran after the lion and the tiger and the bear. You guys are slow. He ran after the lion, the tiger, the bear. Oh my, David ran after him. David knew what it was to be on offense and not defense. David knew what spiritual warfare was. That may sound freaky to some of you, but let me tell you something. I just want to be honest with you. The Bible tells us that all in the atmosphere are demonic presences. The devil is real. And right now in this world, this is a, a messed up, dirty, nasty, sinful place because the enemy is the ruler of this world. That's why the Bible says to be in the world, but not of the world. 
I am different from this world. I live in a different economy. And until I learn how to chase the devil with a stick, I'm always going to be in a corner afraid of the pressures of the life that I am living. But when I am in the field and I understand the preparation to get me ready to do something great, I need to learn in 2020 how to chase the enemy. I can chase down that addiction. I can chase down that oppression. I can chase down everything that wants to destroy my life because I understand the principle of spiritual warfare. To write this verse of scripture down, Ephesians 6 and 13. It seems so abstract and it seems so scary to think about, man, I'm fighting demonic pressures and, 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 the, and the pressure of the devil. That sounds a little freaky, but the Bible makes it so simple. He literally puts it in something we can understand. He talks about a full armor that we put on. Some of you heard about this in kids' church or Sunday school. The armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. It's the girdle of truth, it says. The truth of God's word. We sung about it this morning. We are exactly who, who he says we are. We can do exactly what he says we can do. We are overcomers. We have already won because we've snuck and read in the back of the book and we already know the outcome. That's the truth. So every day that I live in the truth, the enemy's not so scary anymore because I already know his fate. I know that I may have to get through the battle. I know I may have to get on the battlefield. I may have to chase him down, but I already know that he's lost because I know the truth. The breastplate of righteousness? Come on, what God has done for us? that I could not do in myself, that I have no righteousness within me, that is only filth and bad decisions if left up to me, but because of him in me, he's made me righteous. He has made you righteous. The shoes of peace, how do you walk through this life and not lose it? Because you're walking with shoes of peace. The Bible says peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. You have the ability if you just put the shoes on. You've got the shield of faith, no matter what the enemy goes, Look, I know who's got me. I know who's fighting for me. I know who's in charge of this battle. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit doing what you cannot do on your own. Every day when you get up and you live in these things, the enemy has no control. He has no hold. He has no ability to win. He may have the ability to fight. He may have the ability to show up. But when he shows up, as you're in the field doing the things that get you ready, you can run and chase the enemy every single time because you know how to face the battle when it's in front of you. David understood being rescued. I think you ought to write that down. Do you know who needs to be rescued? People who are what? In trouble. You never see somebody run across the room when somebody's feeling fine and throw them in the floor and start doing mouth to mouth. Back up. That's all I'm saying. Don't tackle me and start no. But now if I'm choking, about to die, you can invade my space. Whatever you deem necessary, you just bring me back, okay? I got more things I want to do. People who need rescued are people who are in trouble. David said, it's the Lord who rescues me. You know how you learn that? Out in the field by himself. He learned that God was faithful. He learned that God showed up. And he said, no matter if I have to go and I have to battle the lion, the tiger, the bear, oh, come on, then God's going to show up and he is going to rescue me. 2020, let me tell you something. The lion will come. The bear will show up. Do not be afraid of having to be rescued. We pray for 
the hedge of protection. I laugh at that every time. I want concrete walls and, you know, boulders, but heads of protection. I, I get I know. It's just funny. It's okay to pray that, but let me tell you, when the enemy leaps that wall and he makes his way into your field, don't panic. Don't throw it all away. Don't go, God, why me? If I never had a problem, I would never know God could solve it. And if I don't need God to show up to solve some things, I don't need him at all. Because at that point, I'm doing it all by myself. And anytime you get alone by yourself, when one of those little sheep wander away and nobody's around, you know what he is? He's dinner. And we wonder why we are dinner to the enemy every day of our life. It's because we refuse to do things like this right here. We go, I feel alone, I feel depressed, I can't get over it. You know why? Because we're doing the same thing we've always done, expecting different results. And you know what that is? The definition of insanity. A sheep cannot exist on its own outside of the rest of the family. Get in the family so that when the enemy comes because he will, we are prepared to fight against it. David understood being rescued. It's okay to be in circumstances this year. Doesn't mean you failed. Doesn't mean God's not there. It just means it's an opportunity to be reminded of the faithfulness of God so that when you're not just facing a lion or a bear and Goliath is in front of you, you are ready with faith and patience because God is faithful and he's rescued me every time. The last thing I believe that David really learned in that field is he learned to deal with some haters. You're going to have it. Before David got into this conversation with the king, He'd already had a conversation with his older brother that said, what are you doing here? Why aren't you out there keeping those sheep? What are you doing here just so that you can be seen? I know you. I know your, your heart. You just want to be seen by everybody. This is just a big, a big joke to you, isn't it, David? They questioned his character. They questioned his integrity. They put him down. They made fun of him. They belittled his job. They belittled his role in the field. And listen, we have to understand, if you're going to do something great for Jesus, church, listen to me. They're going to say to you, oh, you, you go to that cult church? Okay, okay. Why are you going to church? Come on, we know you've tried this before. Who are you trying to fool? Why, oh, I knew you'd mess up. I knew you'd get it wrong. You are always going to have someone hating on you. It does not matter what the world says. It does not matter what they believe. You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for the moment that you say, just talk to the hand, right? Remember that? Just talk to the hand because I got more things to deal with over here. And you know what happened? Every person that doubted David, every person that laughed at David, every person that looked at the little shepherd boy because he couldn't, when they watched him get on that battlefield, you know what was happening? Every eye was on him. And you know what we're doing today? We're in this room talking about David. We're not in here talking about his brothers. You know why? Because David knew how to handle the haters. Learn this year. Bad company corrupts good character. Brush it off. Find yourself a new crew of folks. Find yourself people that push you forward and don't tear you down. David was in the field, nobody watching, nobody celebrating, and he was being prepared. He was getting ready. Number two, David was willing. David was willing. When the time came, after being diligent in the field, after doing it behind closed doors, when time came and he was put in the spotlight, when everybody was watching, when the pressure was on, when the opportunity to make a difference was there, David said, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go and I'll fight him. There was potential harm. There was potential death. There was potential embarrassment. 
David put it on him. Don't worry about it. I got this. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I willing to do? This year, what am I willing to give up? What am I willing to give in? What am I willing to say, God, no matter what, as long as I'm living my life on purpose and making a difference for you, I am willing. One of my favorite people in the Bible is Paul. Uh, Paul was radically saved. He hated the church, persecuted Christians, and wanted to arrest them, and God radically changed his life. And Paul has this moment of his life where, where he was around his family, he's around his friends, all the believers, they'd accepted him at this point. And he said, look, guys, God has called me to go to Jerusalem. I've got to go preach the gospel. I've got to go and I've got to share. I've got to give away what God has given to me. And everybody around him, they begin to cry and they begin to beg him not to go because it was dangerous. All this, you can write this down in Acts 21, found in Acts 21. And God sends this man named Agabus to Paul. He was a prophet. He had heard a word from God. And this is what he did. He walks up to Paul. And he takes Paul's belt off. And I'm going to leave mine on because I want y'all to stay. You know, if you were here a few weeks ago, I want you to get nervous. You're still a little gun shy. <laughs> they took Paul's belt. And this is what the prophet to him, he said, listen. He said, God told me something. He said, the man who wears this belt, he said, will face persecution. And he began to bound himself in Paul's belt. And he said, the Holy Spirit is saying, it is not a question. It's not an if. It is a matter of fact that the person who wears this belt will be bound. You will be put in jail. You will be persecuted. It may cost you your life. With tears rolling down their face, the Bible says they begged him not to go. And Paul said, what are you guys doing to me? Why are you acting this way? I'm not only ready to be bound. I'm willing to die because God has equipped me, and he has called me. I am ready, and I'm willing. Paul took that belt, and he began to fasten it back to himself, and he said, I'm ready to go. He could have easily said, you know what? I've been wanting a new belt anyway. Why don't you just keep that one, and we'll do something different? But he said, God has called me, and I'm ready, and I'm willing. Paul changed the course of history we're sitting here in church today as the bride of Christ under the plan of Jesus because of a man named Paul who was willing to go when others would not. And church, I'm saying today, Shelby County can change. Hear me, I'm serious today. This community can change. Addicts can be set free. People who are on the verge of taking their life tomorrow can find hope. If we are ready, taking it serious every day in the field so that when it's time to shift to the battlefield, we say, God, it doesn't matter. Send me because I'm ready. And then number three, be able. Be able. There's a difference between ready and there's a difference between able. And I want to show you the difference. David's on the battlefield now. He's standing in front of Goliath. That's what David said. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, like you big stuff, and I know your reputation. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And let me tell you, Goliath, that ticked me off. That's what got me out of the field. 
You can talk about anybody, but you talk about God, that's too far. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with the sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. David was out there, and David never said, hey, let me tell you, I've been doing some push-ups out in the field, Goliath. You better watch out. He didn't say, I got all this armor, because he didn't. He didn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm a good javelin thrower. He didn't say any of that. He said, I come out here to you in the name of the Lord, and it is the Lord who will give you to us. In other words, David knew when he chased that lion and that bear in the field that it was God who ultimately rescued him and enabled him to do what he did. And so when we get on that field, when we understand I am able, not because of myself, not because of my ability. Some of you are going, I don't even know where Genesis is in the Bible. That's the first book, by the way. God couldn't use me. I'm scared to death to pray in public. God couldn't use me. I don't even know a worship song. God couldn't use me. David got out there and he says, this is not my battle. This is the Lord's battle. It's not your battle. It is the Lord who enables you to slay Goliath. The power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's taboo in a lot of churches, talk about the Holy Spirit. But around here, we believe if the Bible says it, then we can embrace it. If the Bible is giving it, then we can take it. If it's in Scripture, and it is, write it down, Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit empowers the believers. It's an incredible, powerful moment. And then in Acts chapter 2, a man named Peter was one of the 12 disciples. You remember him? He was the one who ran scared after Jesus was being put on the cross of his life because they asked him, don't you follow Jesus? He said, oh, not me. You got the wrong one. Because he was scared, rightfully so. If he'd have said yes, they would have arrested him and they would have put him to death. Rightfully so, he was scared. And he didn't have the ability to say yes. So he ran, he hid, and he lied about his love for Jesus. But after Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 1, suddenly in Acts 2, the Bible says Paul is standing in front of thousands publicly with his life in danger of being arrested and put in jail, he is standing publicly proclaiming the name of Jesus and thousands were saved that day. What happened? What happened to the man who was running and what happened to the man that was proclaiming? It was one thing. It was the power of the Holy Spirit enabling him to do what he could not do on his own. Church, when we are in that field, being prepared, getting ready. When we are willing to do anything for God, the Holy Spirit will enable us to do it. He will carry the word. It is his battle. It is not ours. I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough on my own, but because of him inside of me, I can do far more than I could ever do on my own. The Bible actually says he can do more than you've ever thought or imagined because you've given him the ability to do whatever he wants to do. And church, I'm just so believing that if a group of people this year would get ready in the field of our lives, of the everyday, the spiritual disciplines, loving and begging and searching and seeking God. And if we're just willing to say, God, whatever it takes, we want to make a difference. We don't want to be a gathering. We want to be a move. God, we want to get right in line with what you want to do to make a difference. And if the Holy Spirit enables us to do stuff, listen, this county better watch out. Goliath better watch out. 
because he's not going to make it because we've been ready. We're willing and we're able. Let's launch 2020 into the most incredible year of our life. I want to pray for us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're our guest today, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. I promise you, we're just going to pray. If you're watching online and listening, I, I want, you've made it this far. Just take a moment. Don't let anything distract you. These next few minutes are the most important because it's personal decision time. The Bible teaches us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. And so it's one thing to let it enter my ears and my spirit, but it's another to make a decision about what to do with it. And so I believe that there's somebody in here today, maybe even online, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You're trying, to, you're trying to do it all every day by yourself, and it's not working out. But Jesus is the answer. I want to pray for you today that Jesus would forgive us of our sin, come into our hearts, and we'd make a decision to live for him. And then for all of us, I believe 100%, that we make a decision today to receive this word and to act on it. To say today, hey, God, I'm going to continue this discipline of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'm going to, I'm going to be prepared in this field. God, I'm willing. God, whatever you want, just use me. Just choose me, God. And enable me through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. So, Father, for all of my friends today, there's one of us that would say we need a personal relationship with you. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. We make a decision to commit our life to you, to put you first, and to learn what it means to love you and to live for you. Thank you for that forgiveness today. We receive it. And God, for all of us in this room that maybe, just maybe, would just be willing to take this thing and run with it and do life for real. Like this really matters because we know it does. God, grip our heart to be ready, to be willing, and to be able. Jesus, thank you for what you do for us. We don't take it for granted. We don't take this time, this moment in our existence for granted. It is for a purpose. We are called for a purpose. Let us live it out as we chase you. God, we love you. Thank you for meeting with us today. We're so honored by it. And we give you all the credit for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on give him just a little bit of credit today. Come on, celebrate.